Hi, and welcome to episode 10 of Go Team, a sports history podcast that brings you the stories, legends, myths, hearsay, urban legends. You name it. Gossip behind your favorite sports teams. And you know what? I think next season maybe we should do like nicknames that players have gotten and why that's their nickname. I mean, we can certainly do that if you like. It's just about names. I so. just think some of, some, some of them have pretty interesting nicknames. Yeah. And I, I love it. I love El Mago. I, I was just, that's the one I was thinking. Obviously, there's a reason why he's called that, because he is magic on the field. Yes, but. Javier Baez, Chicago Cubs. For right, everybody, don't if, know. if you don't know, then... Now you know. Now you know. Anyway, so, because there's only really, like, I mean, I don't watch hockey. You don't watch hockey. It's a great sport, but we've just never watched it, I think. And I thought we were talking about board games. That's what I was getting to. I was saying, like, <laughs> there's not a lot. Normally, right now, we would be going to a lot of minor league baseball games, but we're not. So what we're doing instead, as a family, is we've been playing a lot of board games. What that, what's that have to do with hockey? I was saying hockey is on TV, but we don't really watch it that much. <laughs> God, Josh, follow my train of thought. Oh, yeah, I'm Kelly, by the way. <laughs> and I'm Josh. Who's not following my train of thought at all. We, we had the whole thing planned out. We're going to have some witty banner about board games. And then well, we all have of to sudden, talk. <laughs> we're talking about hockey, completely thrown for a loop. But if we're talking hockey, I can talk hockey, especially if it's the original ice hockey video game from Nintendo. No. That was amazing. No, you no. were a rich kid, apparently, as a child, had a Nintendo. Yes, a rich kid. <laughs> I did not have a Nintendo, and I had a Sega Genesis. Yeah, but you had a Game Boy. I did with one game. I never game. had a Game Boy. Oh, I had two games. I had the Addams Family and Tetris. <laughs> Those were the games that I had. And Addams Family was too hard for me, so I stopped playing well, it. Well, yeah, I can see that. I mean, it sounds like a game. We just saw that thing, uh, that uh, documentary about how uh, the E.T. Atari game was the yeah. stupidest game ever. Uh, the docu- it's a series on Netflix called High Score about video games. I actually listened to a podcast on that ET game and like the, they did the whole the story behind it. And it, so I kind of knew that already, but I didn't want to say that was we were watching it. Oh well, aren't you clever? Meanwhile, back to board games, and the reason yeah, why I'm bringing games. it back to board games is because it's going to play <laughs> a pivotal role in my beautifully thought. Uh, thought out story today. Oh, so that's why you decided. So we try and decide ahead of time what our witty banter is going to be before <laughs> we go into our story. So that's why you were like, let's talk about board games because it benefits you. I mean, uh, yeah, well, you said what should it be. And we had I, no maybe answer. I want to talk about vintage toys. Uh, we can do that if you like. That would benefit mine. Oh. <laughs> yeah. So. That we don't uh, waste too much more time here. This is a wild card week, and the wild card week it's was... It's not a wild card week. I thought we were doing wild card week for, la- for this week as well as last week. And, oh. and it was like, wild card, pick a high school. Yes, pick a high school. We're on high school. It's schools, not a specific though. sport. No, no, no. But high school is a genre. Remember we talked about genres last time. All right. High so, school is a genre. Okay. The, I, I get it. I understand. Completely. All the sports teams in a high school have the same name. No, not always. Most of the times, unless you're our stupid high school, which is like, oh, the girls' team has to be Phillies. Like, shut up. That happens a lot. I hate that. Or when they're like, there is the, a team in the Illinois. lady, whatever the original team name is. No, just have them be yeah. the regular. There is a team in Illinois. I can't remember. Maybe you remember that they're the orphans, and then the girls' team is, are the Annies. Oh yeah, the boys is of the that? Orphan. I can't remember. It's in I Illinois. I want to say Plano, but I don't think it's Plano. It's not Plano. Uh, but anyways, board games. Real brief here, just so we can get into this, because I've got a do's. Uh, I do, too. <laughs> uh, board games, we play a lot of Clue, mm-hmm. and it results in lots of uh, heartache and anger I've only won twice. In our household. It's the only time that I feel like I could honestly like walk out on all of you is when we play Clue and yeah. just leave. Yeah, it's... Literally cutthroat. <laughs> it is. We even have Office Clue, which is super fun. Right. Because um, they have, like, these additional cards, and that's pretty fun that you get to do, like, a certain thing that you don't get to do a normal Clue. And then we got Star Wars Clue. And remember, that one was super that, hard. It was. I couldn't keep up with it. Yeah. There was, Regular Clue. You had to go to the detention to area. I don't know. It was insane. But anyways, Clue, big time stuff. Yeah. And um, great, great classic board game. Also, great movie. From the 80s. You know what? I've never seen the movie. Oh, we need to watch it. I can't well, believe you've never seen it. 
remember again talking about our childhoods like I didn't do anything as a child I lived on a farm (laughs) in the middle of nowhere with three channels until I was 16 years old and then we got cable miraculously yeah it was a tough life it was a tough life so never saw Clue never saw half the movies you saw inappropriately as a child it was the 80s what do you expect everything was PG yeah but how many times have you won Clue do you know more than I can keep track of. Well, we have a, a board game count. on. A, we have a giant chalkboard wall in our kitchen, and we um, have all the board games we play, and then we keep track of each one of in our family who has the most wins. I only have the most wins, I think, in um, Star Wars Trivial Pursuit. Only because you get to share some of those wins with me. When we're oh, my team. God. That is just... Not, okay. We're not... See? This is how it goes. Like, I could get up and leave you all right now and go start a new life No, you can't do that. Else. We've got a podcast to okay. record. And uh, speaking of Clue... Oh, my God. Okay. I'm glad this benefits you so well. Uh, I actually have... I decided to tell my story in the form of... Uh, of kind of, of a mystery. I'm not going to tell you the name. And at the very end... Based on the stories, I have several different storylines. Based on those stories that I tell you, I want to see if you can guess the nickname that the high school stuck with. So this is not only a game for me, but for the listeners as well. It is. Okay. Let's see if I can pull it off, because we have not done it this way yet. If I guess it, though, I get to add this to my clue wins on the board. Yes. Deal. Good. All right. So, I'm taking you to Williamsport... Pennsylvania. Do you have do you have, have any reckoning as to why or realizing as to why Williamsport is a name you might know in the sports world? Uh, no. Okay. So, should I? Well, you. I'm going to immediately tell you. Okay. Within the next now, right now. Okay. So, in 1939, a gentleman named Carl Stotts. And two of his friends, two brothers, George and Bert Beadle, formed the very first Little League Baseball. The, hmm. It never existed as an organization or as a thing for kids to play baseball okay. until 1939 in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. And to this, now to this day, currently, every year, the Little League World Series is hosted still in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, and it's broadcast on ESPN, and it's a big deal, usually about this time of year, in August, and, um, and, and so it's, it's, but it got its roots in Williamsport with three teams in 1939, because Mr. Stotts and his two friends uh, started, started up the league, and the thing that I really loved in researching this was that they actually did start it by asking local small businesses to sponsor the teams, which is a hallmark of Little League still, what they right? they do today. Like, still, like, I remember the first Little League team I ever played on was Mr. D's, which <gasps> was a restaurant in our hometown. And, I remember uh, it. And I thought it was hilarious that I was on Mr. D's. Um, and, but, you know, there's always, like, teams like that, right? Like, it's, mm-hmm. oh, you're on Team Hardee's, or you're on, you know, mm-hmm. whatever. A Team Pizza Hut or something. Well, the three teams that started, these three teams in the Little League were... The were Lundy Lumber, That's Jum- a good name. Jumbo Pretzel. Oh, nice! And the Lycoming Dairy. That's the worst one. So you had three teams, and Lundy Lumber uh, won the very first game that was ever played, and um, and that was again 1939, June 6, 1939. I remember it well. And uh, so it grew, and, and so Little League became a thing. It's worldwide. Eight, 80 different countries have Little League baseball uh, played in their countries. 80 countries worldwide. So wow. this is legit. This is, this is Pitbull-esque. But it, is, it, is little, so is Little League a brand? Little thing? League is like a brand now. It's a type of, yeah. So there's like a you know, Little League governing body. You have to be a Little League sanctioned. Like you have to follow their rules and like their So Little League is like a thing. and things. It's not just the, like the name of it. Like right, yeah. So It's, it's a, okay. Uh, it's kind of like with soccer. Remember, uh, you know, in soccer when you sign your children for soccer, it's like you've got the U10, the U9. Like there's like a sanctioning of it so that it's mm-hmm. a even playing field for kids and stuff. Mm-hmm. Otherwise you have like the giant kid with a mustache. Right. Hitting all the home runs and destroying everybody because he's actually 16. Right. Um, so, 
so that's probably, that's how I knew Williamsport prior to this. I knew that the league was there. But I also found out that Williamsport was also at one time the lumber capital of the world. Okay. So more lumber was being produced in that area, in the area of Williamsport, Pennsylvania, than anywhere else in the world. And of course, this was the 1800s. Uh, and you might remember, I touched a little bit on lumber barons when we talked about the Clinton, Minor League Baseball. The Clinton Lumber Kings in Clinton, mm-hmm. Iowa, and their team is the Lumber Kings and Lumber Barons there. Well, there were numerous, numerous, dozens, a plethora, if you will, of lumber barons in Williamsport in the 1800s as well. Because they would, uh, obviously, the logging industry was huge, um, was making a ton of money for a ton of people, and one of the leaders in the lumber industry was a man named Peter Herdick. And Peter Herdick was, uh, was one of the early millionaires who happened to settle there in Williamsport, and he got all his money, for the most part, through the lumber industry. There is a house. You can go visit his house still. In, in Ooh, is it a historic to- a home historic tour? home. I love you a can historic see his house. home. He's also known uh, as a fun little side note to what, who he was as a millionaire, you know, benevolent, all these things in the town. Was he benevolent? Uh, probably. They usually like built the library in the town. They usually are kind of terrible. And um, oh, there was a little note I did read. It was like all the l- lumber uh, barons got all their money, but in typical fashion, those working the lumber trade. Received nothing. Right. So, yes. I think it was like working in lumber was super terrible. That's where the whole company store thing came in, right? Like, like they would, like lumberjacks would work for the company, but then they would get the rooming and their food and everything taken, and then they had to pay it back. So, they're essentially like working for, to pay, they're paying them to work. Yeah, it's crazy. So, but Peter also decided... (laughs) But he was a I'm good not guy. Just, I'm not just a bad <laughs> lumber baron guy. I'm going to do something inventive. And he actually started a, a, a precursor to the taxi back before cars were even a thing, because cars weren't a thing at this time in the 1800s. And he started the Herdic Cab, which was a two-wheeled, horse-drawn carriage uh, to give people rides around the city. Mm. So he had the Herdic Cab. And uh, that was an, another little fun antidote about him. But what was really interesting was, as part of, of all this, was that uh, the resulting lumber uh, industry at this time, as I said, making it the lumber capital of the world there in Williamsport, had actually produced more millionaires per capita than anywhere else in the world. What? Because of the lumber industry was so huge there. Did, was there a lot of trees there? they were making there? so much money. Yeah. Or was it just the lumber mills were there? Well, both. There were like 60 lumber mills there as well. Oh, wow. All along the Sketchwan, sorry, Susquehanna River. And so there's six, there was like, all in the county there that Williamsport was in, all on the river there, like 60 mills, lumber barons. More millionaires per capita than anywhere else in the world in Williamsport, Pennsylvania. Wow! Uh, in the in the you know the late 1800s. That's impressive. And so much that there is like one of the things that I thought was cool because we love historic homes is that there in 1985 Williamsport actually uh, designated the millionaire millionaires row historic district. Uh, in 1985, they had a historic district frame there because there's so many beautiful old grand Victorian homes oh. from all these rich, wealthy uh, barons uh, from the lumber industry. And that, of course, I said, as, you, as I said, you can still go tour uh, Peter Herdick's home, which is pretty mm, cool. That is cool. So that actually, because of, because of that, in 1906, Williamsport started a minor league baseball team uh, and from 1906 to 1910, they had a minor league baseball team. Hang play. on, hold the phone. We're doing high schools, though, right? We are. This all okay. gets to how the high school gets its nickname. Remember, I told you this is a clue. You got to okay. put the pieces together. All right. On how they get their nickname. Okay. So in 1906, the minor league baseball team is formed, and they start to bring in players. Obviously, they want the best team, and and one of the ways they're able to do this is because guess guess what the city's got. A uh, lot of money. I was going to say that. Oh, and so since they have a lot of money, the the team is actually able to pay their players 
better salaries than some of the surrounding other cities. And because of that, the newspaper started calling, nicknaming the players a bunch of millionaires. Okay. Because they were getting paid by the millionaires. Getting paid the big bucks. Right? Yeah. So they're the millionaires. And the Major League Baseball team runs from 1906 to 1910 before it eventually... Uh, goes away. Now, we're going to flip it back to the late 1800s. Oh. And in 1871, Williamsport is the site of a, uh, for the region anyways, a famous fire. Ooh. So this fire destroys pretty much the entire downtown square. Uh, was And uh, and there's some controversy around it because it's 1871, just a few years removed from the Civil War. Things are starting to grow. You know, obviously the yeah. town is growing and changing, as we've pointed out in this podcast. A many lot times. of lumber, too. A lot of lumber going on in that city. Uh, but the late 1800s is when, like, things are starting to really come together, right? So yeah. big deal for the, the city to have their great fire. So the fire happens. It all begins. Uh, they can pinpoint it to its start in, at Black Horse Alley. Black Horse Alley. Is this a clue? And Black Horse Alley is where the fire started. Now, they have no idea how it started. It started in a stable. By a horse. And they, no one really knows. And there's actually controversy. Some, some say it was Confederate uh, soldiers still bitter over the loss of the Civil War who happened to be in Williamsport, because Williamsport's in the north. And that it was Confederate sympathizers who were angry about the Civil War loss, and they started the fire. I feel like that's stretching. There's some who say that 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 there was many people who wanted to blame it purely on the European immigrants. Surprise, surprise. Let's blame it on the immigrants, Uh, because the European immigrants were really starting to influx into the city, and there was some unrest between the colonialists and the new immigrants coming in. But they've never been able to figure out the mystery of the fire in 1871. Also going on at this time, obviously the, the logging industry is huge. And one of the ways that they were doing logging on the Susquehanna River was through something called a boom. And I was like, a boon. A boom. B-O-O-M, like a big bomb boom. Okay. Right? But this is a logging boom, and it's a way to design... That's how they would stack, it was the term used for how they would stack and, and sort of corral the logs along the river. Because, like, you know, like the, when you see those etched drawings, right? Because we don't have logging on rivers anymore. But yeah. how they would line up and they'd stack them and then, like, move them down the river. Yeah, yeah, so that was, like float that was them down a, the river. So, like, a, supposedly at this time, Williamsport had a seven-mile-long lo- log boom on the Susquehanna River, and that they were known as like this, like the place where like the boom was. Okay. Right. So the booms were really big. Okay, you're saying boom well. a lot, so that must be another clue. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe it's not. That's the beauty of clue. Oh, stop. So there. So you have uh, you have the the logging industry, the the resulting. Um, uh, Lumber capital of the world. You have the millionaires, more millionaires per capita. You have this mysterious fire at one point. Mm-hmm. You have uh, the the minor league baseball team becoming popular for a short amount of time and then going away. And then in 1939, little league, little league, is forming in Williamsport, making it its thing. Right, like Williamsport today, still it, the, one of the biggest calling cards is the fact that it's the home of the little league. World Series. So you have all these things happening in the course of Williamsport's history. Now, now comes the time to see if you can figure out. Oh my God! From which that? one of these things? I'm going to give you some uh, a list of okay. names, and then I'd like you to try to decipher which one Williamsport High School. Okay. Okay. In the 1930s. Okay. Mm-hmm. decided would be their high school nickname. Are you ready for this? I'm ready. Your options are the Black Horses. Okay. The Black Horses would have been named after the alleyway right. where the Great Fire started. Mm-hmm. Option number two, the Boomers, mm-hmm. named for the famous logging boom on the Susquehanna River during the Barons' time. 
the millionaires, named after the baseball team from 1906 to 1910, and obviously also for the millionaires and the barons right. of the lumber age. Okay. The cabbies, named after the Hedrick cab that the famous lumber baron designed and started to use in the, in the community. And your final guess, the lumber, not only named after the primary industry that made all the millionaires, but if you remember, the original name of the first team that ever won a Little League World Series was named the Lundy Lumber. Hmm. So, your choice is, again, the Black Horses, can the Boomers. Can I rule one out, or you want to list them all again? Let me list them all again, Okay. and then you can rule them out. Okay. The Black Horses, uh-huh. the Boomers, the Millionaires, the Cabbies, and the Lumber. Okay, I'm going to rule out the Black Horses. Okay. Because I don't think that's that original of a team name, so I'm ruling that one out. I'm going to rule out the cabbies. Okay. Making my notes just like I do when we play Clue. Uh-huh. I don't think it would be the lumbers because you already did the lumber kings, and I, you would not uh, repeat yourself. Interesting scheme. Oh, okay, okay. I don't think it's... I only am stuck on boomers because you like to say boom really loud in your <laughs> weird way sometimes. I do. But I'm going to go with the millionaires. All right. So after all those decisions, the black horses, the boomers, the millionaires, the cabbies, and the lumber, you have decided on the millionaires. Are you ready for the reveal? I'm going to, on three, tell you. Sure, you're sure you're going with this? Millionaires. I'm going to go with millionaires. You're going to be able to put it on the board. Stop trying to talk me out of it. It is the millionaires. Yes. You have yes. won the game of life. I did. Congratulations. It is the Williamsport Millionaires named after both the minor league baseball, short-lived minor league baseball team, and, of course, Millionaires Row. Nice. Yes, so the per, more, more millionaires per capita than any other city uh, in the world at one time because of the lumber industry and, obviously, the millionaires uh, baseball team in the early 1900s. And the thing that I love about this logo, though, I wish, I wish you all could find this logo. You'll be able to see it on our social media yeah, I'll pages put it up if you on go our to Instagram our Instagram and, Instagram Facebook. and Facebook. It'll be there. Their logo, though, when I first looked at it, I loved everything about it because everything about it, for some reason to me, screamed magicians and so it was a little confusing oh, to it me it says yeah it does look magicians but it also kind of reminds me of monopoly yes yeah well obviously millionaires monopoly right making a lot of money uh so it's got a top hat the little tiny uh rich guys cane some nice white gloves and it's actually well designed the cane goes sort of through the logo circle logo i bet it looks great in a t-shirt and supposedly uh word is that williamsport uh, high school does do quite a good business selling this logo on T-shirts oh, and do commemorative they? things. So they they are the millionaires, and now I really it is a great logo. Really want to get myself to uh, Williamsport. Williamsport, not uh, not only because of some some really great baseball history as a baseball fan, but because I got to check out Millionaires Row, man. I bet those houses are, yeah. are amazing. Well, and also we live in an old Victorian house. It's not really it's not a mansion, no. but it's a big house. Yeah. It was built in 1878, so it's pretty old. So we obviously have a special soft place yes. in our heart for the four. So I'm glad you were, I'm glad you figured out with too. the clues. I tried to fool you a little bit. I gave you some good options, and I, for one, wish it was. Uh, I kind of wish it was the Williamsport boom. <laughs> That's exactly how you say it. I know, it's right. Yeah. So it's uh, it's one of those fun things, but uh, yeah, Williamsport. Uh, millionaires, and now you know. Yeah, that's good. That was a good one. Yeah. I'm glad you tried to make me guess, but you were probably secretly hoping I got it wrong, weren't you? Uh, actually, I was secretly hoping that you would get it right, and that's why I was. I tried to put emphasis on millionaires several times, and that's also why I told the story of the baseball team trying to bring you in there. I also gave you some clues. I said that the, you know, that the Little League wasn't founded until 1939, and I told you that the high school had already settled on the nickname Millionaires, Earlier in the 1930s. Yeah. So there were little, little hints, little clues along the there way. There were. And, I picked up on and them. And you crushed it. 
You were emphasizing a lot, though. I always words. emphasize. It's but, my, my natural tenor. But that was a good one. I really liked that. Um, I liked that they were like, you know, we're going to embrace our barren past and just go with the millionaire's name. Yeah, it's great. So what do you think they call themselves for short? The Mills? Which would also make sense because of lumber mills. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. It goes all <laughs> the way to the top. Mind equals blown. Where's my, where's my head explosion emoji? That's pretty amazing. That was a good job. Well, that was good. I just think mine is a little better. Because I'm going to tell you the story of the Hickman High Cupies in Columbia, Missouri. Do you know what a cupid is? I'm going to guess a cupid. It's kind of. Well, I'm going to tell you what they are. So buckle up, Buttercup. <laughs> so way back in 1909, a lovely woman from the Midwest, whose name was Rosie O'Neill, had a dream one night. She was dreaming, as we often do. And she dreamed of this cherubic little baby with wings and this little round belly and this cute little baby face whose only mission was to bring merriment and kindness to our world. This little cherub had a pointy little hairstyle, and it, instead of, like, full eyebrows, just had, has little dots oh. over its eyes for eyebrows and was then named Cupie by O'Neill. So that's, like... If you were doing baby talk, which I can't really do, like, Cupid. So if you were saying Cupid in baby talk, Cupid. And Cupid, of course, was the Roman god of... Love. Erotic love. Ooh. Not just love, erotic love. Nice. So at this time, Rosie O'Neill was already an accomplished artist. She um, was living in New York, and she had taken up drawing at a very young age, and she was really encouraged by her parents because she had a natural talent for this. And she won an art contest from the Omaha World Herald newspaper, but they didn't believe that this 15-year-old girl could make these. I, I don't. I couldn't find anywhere what it said, um, what she had submitted. But they made her come in and recreate the drawings there because they were so good. Because they were so good, they didn't believe she could do them. So she did. Rubbed it in their faces, and she won five dollars. Oh, nice. <laughs> I know. So, uh, like I said, she was living in New York. She had moved to New York when she was 19 years old because she wrote a book and she was trying to sell it. But instead, she didn't sell her book. She found work illustrating for magazines like Ladies Home Journal and Good Housekeeping, still magazines today. Yeah. And she also um, illustrated for this humor magazine called Puck, which I don't believe is still around today. <laughs> but here's the exciting thing about that is she was the only female artist who worked there. Oh. It was um, other, it was just men otherwise. So she has this Cupid dream. She draws it up. Cupid, he's got little wings on the back, this pointy hairstyle, little cherub face, pot belly. And so she decides to make a comic for Ladies Home Journal of Cupid. Okay. And the comic comes out in 1909, and people lost their minds for it. So Anil's, so she would draw these comics, and her goal with them was to teach the world to be kind and to do a good act in a humorous way. Because this was her quote about it. The world needs to laugh or at least smile more than it does. And what year was this? 1909. Wow, okay. Yeah. So isn't that sweet? Yes, it is sweet, Kelly. Thank you, babe. <laughs> but... While Rosie O'Neill seems like she's all sweetness and pie and the little lady doing her thing in the corner, just like the right-wing conservatives today think, she had a hidden agenda. Ooh. She was a well-known bohemian. She lived in the bohemian sort of part of New York City. She was a free spirit, and she was a super feminist. Uh-oh. So when she designed Cupid, which later becomes the Cupid doll... Okay. If you can call that to your mind, I'll show you a picture. You'll be like, oh, yeah, those. They, it's, um, Cupid dolls were sold, like, if you think of a movie taking place in, like, the early 1900s at Coney Island and they're playing a game winning a doll, that's, it's a Cupid doll usually, okay. what they're doing. All right. So 
in her design of Cupid the comic and the Cupid doll later on, which we'll get to, the Cupid is naked and has no genitalia, very ambiguous on gender, and that was all intentional because she wanted it to be that way, not male, not female, just both. Cupid doll, yep. He looked up a picture of it to remind himself. That's it's iconic, yeah. I mean, yeah, it's iconic. If you had it's, asked me what the name was, I wouldn't have been able to tell you. But looking at it now, it's like, oh, yeah, it's the early 1900s doll. It's the early 1900s doll. Um, she also used Cupid, who, by, who like, just, like, super, was super popular. Like, you know, the Pokemon of its time or something. Or I'm trying to think of, like, a, like if Calvin and Hobbes did licensing, oh, like that. Oh, that would be amazing. Yeah, or like Peanuts, like well, that, that. Well, I remember when we were kids, like Garfield licensing was everywhere. Gar similar, Garfield licensing like that. So the QP was just this hugely popular um, comic, and, and we'll get into that all later on. But she, so then she decided to use the QP um, to plead for women's suffrage. So she illustrated all these posters for women's suffrage, and the posters said things like, and I'll post this, I'll post a picture of this poster on our Instagram later because I thought it was so great. So it's a, it has the little cupies on it, and it says, Give mother the vote. Our food, our health, our play, our schools, our homes are all regulated by men's votes. Give mother the vote. And these were all over the place. So as you know, in 1920, women got the right to vote. So I'm not saying it was Rosie O'Neill and the cupie doll, but... It sure helped. It sure helped. So anyway, so off of her hidden agenda, which she did have because she was a mega feminist. By 1912, the Cupid comics were so popular, as I had said, that the demand grew super huge for them. So then O'Neill decided she was going to make some paper dolls for people to have and to play with because paper dolls were super popular at that time. But that wasn't enough. So then she decided to make an actual doll that people could have and play with. You know, sort of like a keepsake or whatever. So she went over to this doll manufacturer in Germany to come up with the, a design because at the time, like, like some of the best dolls in the world were made in Germany. They're very, at the time, were known as being toy makers. So the first round, they make the dolls, and she's like, these are terrible. These suck. So she hauls her ass back over to the factory in Germany, makes them destroy the molds because they were terrible, and says, start again. That's awesome. Yeah, because she's, she's the boss. She's not taking it. So on the second time, uh, the dolls were made of a porcelain bisque. So kind of like uh, a porcelain doll today is that sort of, it's kind of a, it's like a smooth kind of porcelain, but also because it's painted, it's kind of um, has a texture to it. And they had their little pot bellies and they had heart stickers on them and their little wings on the back, and they were a huge hit. People went nuts for these Cupid dolls. And they came in all sizes. But O'Neill had said, because not only was she a feminist, but she was a, a person of the people, for the people, and she told her artists, I want you to take the most care with the tiniest of the cupies, because those will be the cupies that poor children can afford to buy. So she wanted those to be like extra special and the detail on the painting, because they were all, you know, hand painted and stuff, the detail to be very clear and pretty and nice so that poor children who couldn't buy these big ones would have something so nice to have. And also my mom had a cupie doll. Um, I don't know if you remember it. It was in one of her cabinets once. And I just texted her this week. and was like, hey, do you still have that Cupid doll? And she, first of all, was like, why do you want to know? And I, <laughs> and I was like, well, because, you know, I'm doing this thing and I want to put a picture of it. But she said the arm fell off hers and it kind of fell apart. So oh, That's too bad because uh, real quick while you're doing this, I was yeah. interested in them. Like some of these vintage ones are going for like $250, $300 on eBay. Oh, geez, mom. Yeah. Come on. Couldn't have, we couldn't have taken care of it. So, yeah, pretty, pretty cool. Yeah. So the Cupid dolls became huge again. Cupid itself was huge. And just like anything that hits hard and fast, the branding was off the chain. And licensing for every, every was just everywhere. So there was Cupid Jello. There were Cupid cameras. There was Cupid door knockers. Cupid mayonnaise. Like Cupid everything. Like pe sometimes women would um, shave their eyebrows to have the little dots. 
mm. like Cupid instead of their full eyebrow. They would, you know, do the rosy cheeks and stuff to look like a Cupid doll, which the only thing that doesn't seem to have come into fashion was the pot belly, which I'm a little <laughs> sad about because I would have been right in there and in style with that, but it didn't. So, Cupid, Cupid, Cupid. So by 1914, Rosie O'Neill was the highest paid illustrator in the U.S., male or female. It was her, which is pretty huge when you think about, like, that was the start of the time, like, comics were starting to take off, you know, like, kind of starting to happen. Comics and newspapers and magazines like that. And they had whole, like, uh, magazines that were just dedicated to illustration and comics and things like that. And she was the highest paid one, which I thought was super cool. But alas, the Great Depression hit, and it took most of her fortune. She did try to make a comeback. Um, she did some other illustrations, and, you know, she got some money back, and she didn't limp destitute the rest of her life. She retired to Branson, Missouri, and she passed away in 1944. To this day in Branson, Missouri, they have a festival in her honor every year called the Cupiesta. Oh, uh, nice. We might have a reason to go to Branson now. I know. We've never really wanted to go, but Cupiesta? That sounds pretty amazing, right? That sounds amazing. Yeah. So that is the story of Cupies. But how did David Henry Hickman High School get the name Cupie? Which I will tell you, they're the only team in the entire world named the Cupies. No surprise there. There is no other team named that. So here's the story behind that. This one's not as long, so, the, so I was like, well, I'm just going to do the whole story of, of the Cupies. And I'm glad I did, because it was a really interesting story. Well, you got to know where it comes from. Like, yeah. how it, I mean, the name itself, Cupie. Right, from Cupid. From, was it, did, you know, did she say specifically it came from Cupid? I'm assuming. Yeah, it's like, it's like if you were doing baby talk, saying Cupid. Yeah. Like, that's... Is that where, did you see it at all? Is that where, like, our modern image of Cupid comes from the Cupid doll? Um, no, 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 because there were, no, because if you think back to like Renaissance art, they would have little, little fat angels and cherubs and stuff in there. So kind of, the look is kind of from that look of the cherub, the fat little baby cherub look. Yeah. But in, in mythology, like Cupid, the God is not a baby. He's a man, you know, so I don't know what that's about. But anyway, David Henry Hickman High School, which is a great name, but they just call it Hickman High School in Columbia, Missouri. So the name dates back to the basketball season of 1913 and 1914. So we're at the height of Cupid. Oh, big time, big time stuff. At what was known then as the, it was just called then the Columbia High School. So apparently the school secretary at the time owned a Cupid doll because everybody owned one because they were very popular. Um, and she kept it on her desk. At one of the first basketball games in December 1913, she put her Cupid doll, for some reason, in the center of the court, the basketball court. And the entire game was played around it without it being broken. <laughs> so that was, that's crazy that they didn't knock it over. Yeah. And it didn't break because they were made of porcelain. Um, but, but because it survived and it brought a victory... It was considered good luck, a good luck mascot, and they have been the Cupies ever since. I think they also won state that year. Interesting. Yeah. So because of that, they were the Cupies ever since. So notable alumni from uh, Hickman High School. You ready for this? No. Sam, Sam Walton of Walmart fame. Oh, uh-huh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Marcella Hayes, the first African-American pilot in the Air Force, female. A Cupie. She was a cupie. And we're going to end on a down note here. Uh-oh. Kenneth Lay of Enron Scandal and start of the downfall of our economy fame. Uh, so that's kind of Still, crappy. though, some famous people. Yeah, super famous people. Like, I, th- I, mean, well, I, I thought you were going to say that the, the, uh, the, the, the woman, what was the woman's name again? I'm sorry. Rosie O'Neill. Rosie O'Neill was from that town. No, she was from Oklahoma. Yeah. I thought, but I, I was, as you were going the story, I thought that was going to be the tie-in. Like, they named, uh, named them the Cupies after her. Wait, like, where's Omaha? Nebraska. She was from Nebraska. Yeah. That's where she was from. So it's interesting no. that it's not her hometown. or Not like her hometown, but she, she did die in Branson. That's true. So it was nearby. But that was years later, right? It was years later, yeah. I wonder if that had influence on her going to Missouri. No, no. I think she, mm, 
Oh, maybe it did, but I doubt it. Like if she had heard, like, did you know there's a high school? I wonder if she ever went there, though, while she was alive. I don't know. Part two. Because if they named themselves that in 1914. Yeah, she was alive for quite a bit of time. So after she retired there, she could have gone to relive, you know, to be like, hi, I invented the Cupie doll. But they have a really cute logo, too, the Hickman High Cupies. I'll put it on our Instagram. It's a Cupie doll. (laughs) I mean, it's super cute. So, um... I, and I think they have like a ma- they have a mascot costume that's a cupie doll, like somebody dresses up as a cupie doll, um, which I think is super cute. That's really interesting. Um, also, I got my sources from Wikipedia, obviously, but then I, there was this great article about Rosie O'Neill um, from, on this website called Timeline by Stephanie Buck that was published in November of 2016. And that's where she talks about how much of a feminist Rosie O'Neill was and, uh, you know, like the secret kind of hidden agenda behind Cupid of that it was no gender. And so it was, you couldn't, you know, like, yeah. it's for everybody because, you know, gender's a concept and stuff like that. And um, I thought that was super interesting. You know, it's, uh, I, was, I just pulled out, because it reminded me of one of our first podcasts, in a way, of when I did UC Irvine's Anteaters, because that yeah. was based off of a, of comic, a comic and illustration. And, um, yeah, I thought the same thing. Right? That's, it's interesting how comics have influenced some of these mascots. Well, because, I mean, when you think about it, like, they didn't have TV wasn't widely used, and people had radio shows and things, but comics was... A great unifier, right? Everybody could read them. Everybody could enjoy them. And they were visual entertainment. So they were super popular at that time. That's great. Which I think is very, very interesting. Anyway, um, I always hated my mom's Cupid doll. I thought it was kind of ugly. But now I wish she had it. Yeah. I'm kind of Marsha. I'm disappointed. Get a Cupid doll. Anyway, so now we will get to our categories. Um... This is where we, because we have to have a winner. There's winners and losers in life, people. And if you don't know that by now, I'm here to tell you that's how it is. There's winners and losers in sports and in life. So this being a sports podcast, we have a winner and a loser. We have four categories, and each we get to rate each other's story in the four categories. And then there's a winner on a scale of one to five, five being the best, one being the worst for each category. So... Let's do you first, Josh. Uh, first off, I don't know if you know this, but I just typed in QP because I wanted to see a picture again. And there is a QP mayonnaise from Japan that is all the rage. Right now, or was it back in the no, day? No, right now. Oh. It's crazy. Yeah. I told you there was QP mayo. Yeah. That must have been that what must I was be thinking. That's awesome. We need to get some. I don't know about that. You just like mayo. I do. Okay. You first. So, let's see. The uniqueness of the name Millionaires. Did you come across any other team being named I the think Millionaires? I, I think I did in my research. I saw um, uh, that there was one. There was at least one other high school team named the Millionaires in the country. Okay. So, I'm going to give you a four on that. Okay. If it was the only team with that name, yeah. then it would be a five. Sure. For sure. Sure. Second category is reflection of town or city in the name. Well, it was pretty reflective. I mean, mean, they went with the whole Barron's thing, most millionaires per capita. Millionaire historic district. Yeah. I'm going to give you a five. I really thought you were going to say four, and I was going to jump across this room. I actually thought about it, and then I could, I like saw the look in your eyes of like, don't you dare say four. You know, I'll let you win. You don't have to. No, I like to win fair and square, Josh. I always win. Don't say you let me win, because you don't. I don't. Number three, interest of the story behind the name. Well, you kind of like had a bunch of stories, and some of them didn't have anything to do with the name. That was part of the clue concept. Yeah, but the clue, the board game, doesn't have anything to do with... The name. It's true. You were just like, I just Kelly loses a clue all the time. <laughs> I'm going to give you a three on that one. All right. That's fair. I only lose at clue because I think you and Owen cheat, by the way. I know. 
you do cheat. Is this what you're admitting to me? No, I know that that's what makes I think upset. Owen cheats. Maybe. Uh, okay, number four, standing the test of time. When did, were they named the millionaires? 1930s. Mm, I mean, obviously, that's ten. I'm going to give you a four. So that is a total of 16. That's a pretty good score. Sure. You don't think so? I think it's a very respectable score. It's respectable. Okay, now the Hickman High Cupies. The fighting Cupies. Peace and joy. And Mary. I don't know who Hickman was. Oh, I don't know. I really hope it wasn't like a Civil War guy. <laughs> I didn't look that up, but I really hope that's not the case. Anyway, first category for the Cupies. Uniqueness of name. Okay. Now, the name is super unique. And if I want to get critical on the name Cupie, though, it's an obvious ripoff of Cupid. Okay, but this is, we're talking about team names uniqueness. They're the only team named the Cupies. I know. So I have to give that caveat because you, you know, you, you always were like, we need the banter. So I'm giving you the banter. The, there could be a technicality here that it's, the, the whole concept of the Cupie is, is kind of uh, just reimagining of Cupid. But I'll give it a five. Oh, I was going to say. It's t- only team with that name, and you were, like, going to fight me on it. Okay, reflection of town or city. Zero. No, no I'm not giving it. I mean, it doesn't really reflect the town or city that it's in at all. There seems to be zero history to the town itself other than the secretary. The secretary she lived there. Who lived there. And, put and it I at, bet other people like Cupid dolls, court. too. Um, so... It's hard for me to give it any representation for this specific category as a reflection of the community. However, I will give it that obviously, as you said, it was all the rage. And I'm sure all the rage. that people were really, really, really a reflection it. of the United States as a whole. Right. I thought maybe there'd be a story about how the team was a bunch of younger looking high school kids and they were going to be the, you know, like there was like no. a youngness to Would them. They all had pot bellies and wings. Uh, to give me some sort of feel there, or that like she maybe like if she had like gone back and lived in that town. I don't know how close Columbia and Branson are. Are they I know, close? I, get, I don't know. I got to look at a map. I I feel like to give it more than a two would be a stretch. I'll take a two. Because I mean it's not reflective. That's fine. Uh, three interest of the story behind the team name. I'm giving that a five. I love the story. Yes. It's a great story. Thanks. Um, yeah, super interesting. Yeah, it's super interesting. Well, just because it's it's so uh, yeah, yeah, everything from her like winning five dollars for her first thing and yeah, um, and she dreamed up the Cupie, yeah, which I think is you know like you always you know because like the stories that Paul McCartney dreamed up the song yesterday, the tune for right, it. Yeah. So it's and there's a lot of people are like, oh, I had this dream, and then it turns into this really beautiful art work of art thing, which I think is unique. Number four, standing the test of time. Well, obviously, it's standing the test of time, not only for the school, which still celebrates it. It's the QP, and they could have changed the name because they could have been like, come on, you guys, like, we can't be the, it's 2020, we can't be the QPs anymore. Over 100 years, they've been the QPs. Yeah, so, and I got to get some of this mayonnaise, which, I mean, great. it's going to be a thing now. Okay. So, yeah, I'll give it a five. Oh, sweet. All right, so that is a total of 17 for the Hickman High Cupies. Just beating you by lucky. Lucky I gave you any points for that one category. I know. If you would have given me just a one. Well, I originally said Zoro. But it kind of is. I'll give you two. It's fine. You can win this week. Thank you. Well, actually, I'm going to be winning this one for a while because we're taking a little break. Um, this is like our first season. We're taking a little break because I work at a school and we just went back to school. So we're like both super busy and our kids are going to be back in school. So we need to give some time to them. And I also just want to say quick, if your kids are going back to school or they're not going back to school, just be kind to your teachers because I am telling you, neither was their choice and they're just trying to do the best they can. So I really and the teachers in my school are, have been phenomenal. My students have been phenomenal. They have handled all the changes really well. So this is just my quick plead. I'm not a teacher. I'm a counselor. But just be kind to your teachers. It wasn't their call either way. 
those those decisions come from high above them. Yeah, take take a cue from Cupy. Take a cue from Cupy, and just spread peace and merriment in the world. Um, also, we'll be putting up pictures of uh, from both of our stories on our Instagram. Go underscore team underscore stories. You can follow us on Facebook at Go Team. Um, just Go Team on Facebook. Yep. And you can email us at goteamstories at gmail if you have a suggestion. We'll probably be back, I would say, in maybe like October, you think? Yeah, just a short little break here. Everything, everything in sports is about uh, seasons, and this is just yeah. the end of our first season. This so is just we'll the end of our first season. Yeah. I did want to jump in real quick before we forget. Um, I did not mention uh, my sources this week. Went primarily with uh, some information from Wikipedia for all the different stories, as well as the Berkshire Eagle newspaper. Ooh. So that's where I was getting most of my information this week. I'm, I was—I actually was going to remind you to say yours, and then I forgot. So you remembered. Uh, yeah, I don't remember. It's so rare that you remember to do things without me nagging you about yeah. it. I, I mean, honestly, I, and I don't even remember you saying your sources. So. I did. <laughs> I did. I said Wikipedia and then the article, remember? Oh, yeah. That's what I just said. So anyways. Oh, God. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So anyway, follow us on the social medias. We're also on Spotify now, which is very exciting. Um, and if you go to our Instagram account or our Facebook, you can find a link to our link tree, which has all of our other various accounts on it. Yeah. Um, so that's good. And, and a huge thank you to all of our listeners. We appreciate it. It's, yeah. It's a lot of fun making these, and we hope to bring some Yeah, so, so like and subscribe. Tell your friends about it. We really have a, a lot of fun doing this. Uh, I want to give a shout-out to my friend Rob. I saw him at school the other day, and he was like, that's the voice of my favorite podcaster. So he's so funny. Um, Rob has a Facebook page, Pop Culture Tournaments, and they do tournament like bracket styles on different pop culture things. So I'll give that a follow because um, it's super fun and like really occupied me when we were shut down from school last spring. He did a, a, a couple of them, which I thought were pretty great. So give him a follow. And uh, shout out to my mom for throwing away the Cupid doll. Dang, that's uh, 250. I know. Bucks. I know she's she is wherever she is listening to this right now. She's like, stop talking about me and damn it that I threw it away. <laughs> We're just kidding, mom. We love you. So, yeah, give us a follow and we'll be back in, uh, you know, about, about a month and a half or so with all fresh new stories, fresh new histories. And uh, yeah, go team. Go team.